stretched out one long spider skinny arm and peeled the tissue back. I saw the pink plus mark, and the first word I thought was, surprise. I thought it so loud, the syllables reverberated around the inside of my skull, bouncing back and forth all through my brain, like a whole crowd had shouted it into my ears. I heard that word exactly that way last September, when a bunch of folks I really, really liked yelled it as they popped up like Muppets over the breakfast bar, holding a cake ablaze with seventeen candles and brightly wrapped boxes with all kinds of curly ribbon shooting off the tops. I didn't say surprise, though. I said, shit. That word came out almost as loud as surprise had sounded in my head, clipped short by panic. Walcott echoed me instantly. We stared from the stick to each other's reflections, back to the stick, back to each other. He looked so floored and scared and lost, sitting beside me in the mirror. I didn't look any of those things. I looked blank, blank and unbelieving, while Walcott was leveled all the way down to the ground. I thrust Lobby La away, standing up so I couldn't see all the true things that I didn't want happening on his face. It's not your problem, I told him in a flat, dismissive voice. The wad of cells multiplying inside of me was very literally not his problem. I loved Walcott, but not like that. I'd never been with him like that. If I wanted to get technical... I'd never been with anyone like that. But it's not your problem was the wrong thing to say to Walcott, who stood up too, fast and mad. The hell is not, he said. He stepped in close and grabbed my hand, flipping it up and then pressing the flat part of his thumb to mine. I could feel the narrow ridge of his scar pressed to my skin. I knew that scar. He'd put it there himself for me on his ninth birthday. Hell it's not, he repeated. That scar, fishing line thin, reminding me of all the ways we backed each other. Not one of those ways could have caused Natty, true. But we were both our mother's only children. We'd grown up together, living close on a slice of mountain with no other houses close by. Walcott was family, as dear to me as my little half-brothers down in Atlanta. Between us there wasn't, there had never been, and there would never be, a not-your-problem. Standing thumb to thumb with him, all the fear washed off his face, my other hand pressed to my belly. I understood that there really was some baby, real as Walcott, creating himself inside my body. But that didn't make me feel like I was a mother. Not even after Walcott got his momses to take me to their lady parts doctor for confirmation, or when he told all my family that I was pregnant, or even when my body swole up and I felt Natty shifting and flexing all his new pieces around inside of me. Not even when the pain started with Natty wrong way around not even when they cut me open and lifted him out.
When I saw his squashy potato face with all the long eyelashes and a crumple around his screwed shut eyes, love rose up in me, so mighty and willful. It was like a second living creature I had grown inside myself right alongside him. Natty opened up his mouth and wailed, and I knew he was my person, my person I had made myself. But having him, even loving him so, it didn't make me a mom. I brought Natty home to a pink-walled room with a daisy chain wallpaper border and white eyelet window treatments. He slept in a bassinet with a patchwork rabbit guarding his feet and I slept in my narrow bed with Lobby Law draped over mine. In the mornings, I fed him while my own mom slid fried eggs and melon slices onto my plate, feeding me. I wasn't a mother.